If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me today in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and we're looking at verses 1. Actually, may go through verse 9 this morning, but today I want to kick off the new year and this new sermon series talking about what's on most of our minds from January 1st through at least January 5th, and that is New Year's resolutions, right? We all know there are things that we need to change about ourselves. I have yet to meet a single person in all of my short travels and 45 years of living who did not know and readily tell you, if you were to ask them, something that they wish was different about themselves. We all know that we have things that need to change about us because we're imperfect creatures. And we know that. We know that we are imperfect, don't we? We know there is something about us that we need to change and make different. Uh, and, and it may be of a, you know, a variety of different categories that we're talking about here, but each of us can find one or many categories into which we can, can uh, see some need for a difference. Uh, each year, people make resolutions. I went back and looked at the top resolutions for 2015, and here are the top ten uh, resolutions for 2015. Number one, none of us in this room need to do. And that's really encouraging to me. It was to lose weight, right? None of us need that, right? Number one resolution for 2015 was to lose weight. Number two was to get organized. Now, we don't need that in our house at all, right? And I'm sure you don't either. And I'm going to come look at your sock drawer later in your closet and going to know that that's not something you need, right? Number three is to spend less and save more. Uh, we... we a lot of us need to do that, need to eat out less, maybe spend money less on whatever it is that seems to take our money each month and save more. Number four is to enjoy life to the fullest. I thought that was an interesting one to make the list. Number five is to stay fit and be healthy. Number six is to learn something exciting. I don't know what falls in that category, but I like that one right there. Learn something exciting. Number seven was to quit smoking. Number eight is to help others in their dreams. Number nine is to fall in love. And number ten is to spend more time with family. Now, the statisticians will tell us that 45% of people make New Year's resolutions. Now, taking into account that 100% of us know there is something that needs to change about us, that means 55% of us have just completely given up on changing anything, right? And 45% of us will at least make a plan on January 1st, but they also tell us that at the end of the year, only 8% of folks have actually kept any of their resolutions that they make January the 1st. So less than 10% will keep their New Year's resolutions every year. You know, we, we need to do a little better than that, that 8%, don't we? Uh, and when it comes to the more important things in life, certainly we need to do better than 8% of us, making real change. You know, God is calling us to some kind of change right now. How do I know that? Because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, Philippians 1.6 says. Uh, God is in the process of making us like his son, Jesus Christ. He's in the process of making us perfect, like Jesus. Uh, so we are in process we are in need of change, and God is working on us to make that change happen even right now. That's a great encouraging thing, isn't it, that God is always at work on us. And so we need in 2016 to do better than 8%. We need to cooperate with what God is doing in our life 
and be a part of the change that he wants to bring our way for this upcoming year. You and I can only experience that kind of significant change in Christ. It's only a God kind of thing that we can really genuinely change. See, 8% of the people are going to change. There are some of us that are very disciplined to make changes. But when we're talking about real life change, we're talking about change of character, change of person, change that is meaningful for eternity. Well, that's only a God kind of thing, isn't it? And that's something where we can have a much greater success rate than 8% if we trust and have faith in him. You know, Abram, who later became Abraham, he was faced with a crossroads in our story today. God called him to get up and leave where he was. And many folks are confused about where he was when he started this journey. If you go back in chapter 11, Terah, his father, the father of Abram, Nahor, and Har- <clears throat> excuse me if I can, let me, let me just put these on. Another year has passed, right? Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, Milcah and her sister, and we've got a few other details there. But Sarah was unable to have children. She was unable to become pregnant. And one day Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarah, his son, Abram's wife, and his grandson, Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but stopped in Haran and settled there. So that's where Abram was when he started his journey, not not in Ur. Now, he was from Ur, but he was in Haran. And God spoke to him in Haran and said, get up and go. I want you to get up and move. Now, he was 75 years old. Now, some of you fellas in here are 75 plus, right? And you're pretty content where you are. And if you were told to get up and move a great distance today, it would be a challenge for you, wouldn't it? Because you're kind of settled where you are, right? And it's a challenge for all of us, any of us who would be called to do such a thing as this. This was a tremendous life change. This was something God was doing in his life, a big kind of change, a significant change. And there were going to be... uh, wonderful blessings as a result of obedience and following after God's will. He was being called to a monumental change that only could happen as he faithfully obeyed in faith and followed God's will for his life. And, you know, there are many of us today who understand that something needs to change about us, and we are at a crossroads as well. We are at a place in our lives where we know God is calling us to something significant in 2016 something that is going to require great faith and dependence upon God to see it happen. We are experiencing today a call to change. And, you know, when you are called, you have three choices. You have three choices when you are called by God to some kind of change. Number one, you can ignore it. Now, there are a lot of people that are going to do that this year in 2016. Abram could have ignored God's call on his life to go to Canaan. He would have just said, forget it. I'm 75 years old, pretty comfortable where I am. I feel a great sense of security in the land that I'm in. I know some people here. I know the lay of the land. I know what I'm in for day after day after day. Tomorrow I know what's going to happen because it happened the same yesterday and today. I'm going to stick right where I am. You can just ignore God's call on your life. You know, God is changing you. He is moving upon you. He is bringing you in this process to become more like his son. And in that process, we are called to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. So there's a purpose here on earth. 
We know we have a purpose in being here to become more like Christ and to be obedient to him and be a part of what he's doing in the world around us. 2016, you're going to sense that call, whatever that is, however that plays out in your life, you're going to sense God's call in your life and you have the choice to ignore it. I sometimes wonder if his father ignored God's call because he's the one that got up and left earth. I wonder sometimes, and I know this is dangerous, and I know you're not supposed to read into the text, and they teach you this in seminary constantly, so I'm not saying that this is orthodoxy, okay? I'm, not, I'm just saying it's an idea that has popped into my mind as I've read this text over the year. I wonder sometimes, did his father have the call and rejected it? That he was supposed to go to Canaan because he got up with intentions. You look at this passage of Scripture, it says, one day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarah, his grandson, Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but he stopped. And I wonder often, did he stop along the way? If that was the case, he was doing number two. He wasn't ignoring God's call. He understood God was calling him to lead the land of Ur, but he decided to take a shortcut, do things his own way. God, I know you want me to change something about my life, so here's how I'm willing to do it. I know I need to get out of the land of Ur. I need to go somewhere else. So I'm going to go to Haran when God was calling him to go to Canaan. Now, I wonder if that be the case. Whether or not it was, it really doesn't matter at all. But it does make a point to us that there is that choice to take a shortcut and try to do things our own way. Uh, you, you know, when God calls us to significant change in our life, there's one way to do it, and it's called obedience. And that's the third thing you have up there is to have faith in God and go where he leads us. And that's what Abram did. In verse 4, you see that here, and that's the significant verse in all of Abram's life is that he decided to go. He decided to get up and have faith and follow after God. And if you want to, to, to follow after God, that's what you're going to have to do. At some point, you're going to have to get a hold of some faith and step out and go after him and follow him. Now, this begs the question, what is God's will for your life in 2016? What does he want for you? Now, that's what we all really want to know here, isn't it? We say, well, I'm determined to obey God. I'm not going to ignore him. I'm not going to take any shortcuts. I want to follow after what he wants me to do, and I want to live in 100% obedience. What is that? What, what, what does God really want for my life? Well, Abram knew what God wanted for his life. That's pretty obvious because God spoke to him. The Lord said to Abraham. Now, you and I might say here at this point, if God would just speak to me the way he did to Abram, everything would be okay, right? If I could just have a cup of coffee with Jesus and hear audibly his voice to tell me to go and to do and how to live my life and where to live and what house to buy and whom I'm to marry and on and on and on and what I'm to do vocationally, everything would be perfect. I would never disobey God. I would never ignore him, take any shortcuts. I would go, right? But you and I do have that opportunity to hear from the Lord if we are walking in right relationship with him. You see, Abram had a relationship with God. And because of that relationship with God, he was able to hear and know the Lord's will for his life. You see, if you and I want to know what God's will is for our life, it's simple. Walk with him and pay attention. Just walk with God. You say, well, this is a simplistic, overly simplistic kind of thing. Yes, it is. It is. If you want to know God's will for your life, walk with him 
and pay attention to what's going on around you. Because here's what happens. Here's how God makes his will known to us. Number one, he makes it known to us through our prayer life and the conviction that he places on our heart about things. He also shows us his will as he speaks to us through his word. He also shows us his will through circumstances in our life. And you can't trust circumstances in and of themselves, but when they begin to line up with what we feel in our heart, God's speaking to us and what he confirms to us in his word, we can begin to discern a specific direction because of that relationship that we have with God. God speaks through other people. For some of you this morning, it may be this sermon. I pray that that's the case. God's been convicting you of some change that needs to happen in your life. He's been confirming it in his word. And now you're hearing a sermon on that very subject, and it has hit you right between the eyes, just like a two-by-four, and you know this is where you need to be. This is where you need to go, whatever that specific thing God is speaking to you right now. See, God begins to bring all of these things together. It happens in relationship with him. If you're not walking with God, praying, seeking him in his word, if you're not willing to listen as the Holy Spirit speaks to you both in here and through, through others into your ears, then you're going to miss God. Abram heard God because he had a relationship with God. God is always at work around us. And he's always at work around us to reveal his will to us. You want to know what God's will is for you in 2016? You need to walk with God and listen. Pay attention to what he is speaking to you. Scripture tells us in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. One of the most misinterpreted verses in all of scripture because if you look at the hebrew what it really means there is that if you come to the lord with a pliable malleable soft heart he will begin to mold and shape your heart in such a way that the desires he has for your heart will become the desires that you yourself have for yourself now don't you wish it was interpreted that way sometimes it just is hard to translate the hebrew into english and sometimes we miss some of the deeper meaning in the translation but that's what the verse really means. That's what it really says. Uh, so this is a truth that is available to you just like it was to Abram. You say, well, I, I wish I could just hear the audible voice. Listen, you don't need an audible voice. And, and if you were dependent on an audible voice, you could be deceived. Because Satan can appear as an angel of light. What if he was the one to speak that audible voice? You need more than an audible voice. God has given you much more, something much more reliable than an audible voice to depend upon when you're following after him. It's giving you all of these things which happen in relationship. So when you're loving God and pursuing after God and delighting yourself in the Lord and coming to him with a heart that says, Lord, here's my heart. Write on my heart the desires you have for me. He will begin to write those desires upon your heart. And you will know his will for 2016. You see, it's a heart that belongs to God that knows God's will. You know, we get caught up in so many questions of what am I to do vocationally? What am I to do with my life? Who am I to marry? Where am I to live? What car am I supposed to drive? What job, you know, location, where should I move? What should I do? We get caught up in all of these peripheral, peripheral questions. God says, love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Very simple. And as we love God and we pursue a passionate relationship with him, he begins to give to us all of the answers to the questions concerning the specifics of his will. That's how it happened for Abram. Abram was walking with God. He loved God. He had a relationship with God. God said, Abram, get up and go to Canaan. He knew what the Lord's will was, and he did it. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to a group of people who are so caught up, and rightfully so, 
with how they were going to provide for all their needs of life. How am I going to find something to eat today? Where am I going to find clean drinking water? Where will I lay my head tonight? How and where will I have shelter? How am I going to find something to wear two weeks from now? Not what am I going to wear, but how am I going to find something to wear two weeks, two months, two years from now? And to all of these questions, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all of these things will be given to you. You see, we get caught up in all of the specifics and the things that we believe we need in life. And Jesus says, you should be concerned about one thing, me. And if you concern yourself about your relationship with me, I'm going to provide for you all the things that you have need of, and I'm going to answer all of your questions along the way on what you're supposed to be doing moment by moment if you are walking with me. So how do you know God's will for 2016? You walk with God passionately. You love him. You put him first. You make him the priority. If you make God the priority in your life and you love him with a fierce, passionate kind of love, in that relationship with God, he is going to begin to speak into your life. He is going to answer the questions that you have about all of the specifics of your existence here on the earth. That's what Abraham did. He put his trust in God. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? Make your path straight. Abram didn't have that verse. It was written long after he was gone from this life. But he understood the truth. Put my trust in the Lord, whom I follow, love, and have relationship with, and he makes my path straight. It's not a spiritual platitude. It's a spiritual reality. It's something you can hang your hat on. It's something you can depend upon. The character and the power and the ability of God. He loves us. He wants us to know his will. And in that relationship, he gives us his will. He shows us his will. If you want to know what God wants you to do in these next 12 months, press in, love him, and enjoy the relationship you have with God. But let me tell you something. When you come to the place that you commit yourself to that kind of relationship with God, God is going to begin to speak into your life. And as he speaks into your life, it is going to challenge you and it is going to require faith to live out his specific will for your 2016. The just shall live by faith, Scripture tells us. We as Christians are called to live by faith, believe in, belief and trust in what God has said is true. There is going to come a moment in 2016 if you are hearing and following after God when you are going to be challenged. You are going to face a crisis moment, a crisis of belief, as some call it. When you're going to be called to do what Manly Beasley said, when he spoke of faith, you're going to have to believe or you're going to have to rather act as though a thing is so when it is not so in order for it to be so because God has said it is so. Say, Please say that again. All right, I'm going to say it again. Faith is acting as though a thing is so when it is not so in order for it to be so because God has said it is so. See, if you're going to follow after God and you're going to follow after God's will, your life is going to be bigger than yourself. It's going to be bigger than something you can construct for yourself, bigger than something you can do for yourself. He's going to begin to do great and wonderful and mighty things in your life. And he is going to call you to trust, to depend on him in new and bigger and bigger and bigger ways. And you're going to face that moment in 2016 if you're following after God the way Abram did when you're going to have to step out and go. You're going to have to jump without knowing where your feet land. See, if your intention is to live life without risk, 
Always know where your feet are going to land before you jump. Always see the end of the road before you take a first step. Then God and his will are not for you. Now, you need to hear that. You audio learners, you need to hear it. You visual learners, read it. If your intention is to live a life without perceived risk, to always know where your feet are going to land before you jump, to always see the end of the road before you take a first step, then God and His will are not for you. You don't really want God's will for 2016. That's not the way God operates. I want you to think back at Abram's life here for a minute. 75 years old. Does not have children. Has lived in Ur Haran the whole of his life. And he's being called to go to Canaan, where Canaanites live. There are already people there. Now, there is great insecurity in uprooting yourself and traveling to a land to a people that you really have no idea how they may or may not accept you or receive you at that moment. And God tells him he has all of these plans for him. God tells him to go. Abraham gets up and goes. God has given him some specifics and and some idea. He says in verse 7, I will give you this land this land to your descendants. Now, this is after he went, right? After he went, he said, I will give this land to you and to your descendants. And Abram says, I have no descendants. I have no son. God had all of these intentions, all of these blessings to give to Abram, but it required that Abram have faith to take that step. See, it it may seem like the most reasonable thing for you to stay right where you are today. But that is the worst place you can be if God has told you to go someplace else. It may seem to your mind the most secure, safe, and reasonable course of action is to stay right where you are, keep doing things just the way you've been doing. But when you're at the crossroads and you feel the conviction of the Spirit of God and He has spoken into your life, the worst place you can be is right where you sit continue doing things the same way that you have always done them. The most tragic of all Christian men and women are those living a life separated from God's blessing and call on their life. They have a relationship with God but lack the trust in Him to see their life flourish in His power and guidance. Listen, there are a great many Christian men and women who... They are Christians. They have faith in Christ for the deliverance from sin and forgiveness of sin. And they, they even love the Lord. But they have missed out on God's intended blessing. And they miss out on God's call on their life because they lack faith to jump when God says jump. They want to know how it's all going to work out. They want to know where the destination is before they take the first step. They want to know where their feet land before they jump. They want to, they want to see it all, all of the details given them before they're willing to, to even embark upon a plan that God has given them. And so they miss out on God's call and God's blessing. Listen, all of these things that God intended to give Abram, intended to give him an heir, intended to give him children, intended for the Messiah to come through his family line, intended to give him the land that he was walking into and going into, all of these blessings he would have missed out on if he had rejected God's call and lacked the faith to take that first step. If he had lacked the faith that we see demonstrated in verse 4, 
Abram departed and obeyed the Lord. If he had lacked the faith for that, he would have missed the blessing and he would have missed the call. I fully believe that God would have moved on to someone else. And that's what makes me so curious about his father. I just wonder, I wonder so often, was it supposed to be Terah? Was that God's plan? And he gave that offer to him and said, here is the plan, Terah. And Terah stopped in Iran, took a shortcut, missed the blessing, missed the call. I don't know if that's the case. I know it's reading into the text, but I wonder that because I know so many people in life who have missed out on God's intended blessing and call on their life because they lack the faith to take a first step. And you just need to understand, if 2016 you're feeling excited right now and you're feeling rejuvenated and you've made resolutions and you know God has called you to some kind of change and you're determined in your heart on January 3rd that these changes are going to be real and it's going to be different this time, listen, you need to understand it is going to require at some moment a great step of faith where you're going to have to step out and believe and trust God for something bigger than yourself. It's going to be the kind of thing that if God doesn't come through for you, you're in a mess of trouble. Because that's where Abram was. And that's the life we see demonstrated for us and these folks over and over and over again. The key to Abram's life was found in verse 4. Abraham's life is found in verse 4. He had a relationship with God, which informed the specifics of his life. And when he heard God concerning these specifics, he obeyed. He had the faith to obey. Verse 4 is the key to his whole life. Whatever you read about Abram, verse 4 is the key. Verse 4 is where it all happened. When he began that journey and he departed to Canaan, it all from that point forward was different. And his life was changed. And it can be for you. And it can be for me. It requires faith, but you need to understand that it's a sure thing too. God loves us deeply and he has blessed and provided for us. Listen, I'm just going to throw these things out here to you in just a minute. You just need to understand that God did not promise us that every moment in life would be a happy one, but he did promise that we would, that each moment would be a blessed and a provided for moment as we trust and find our life in him. That, that's a truth in scripture. He never promised that every moment would be happy. In fact, Jesus said in this life, you're going to have trouble. In this life, you're going to have tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we know that not every moment is going to be a happy moment. Not every moment is going to be a pleasant moment. For instance, let's just take a, a moment to consider the Alamo Bowl last night. Right, Kyle? First half, 31 to nothing. Every TCU fan in the entire world had given up. Right, Lisa? It was just an awful, awful day. In fact, some of you went to bed and missed out the whole second half, and it's going to be news to you this morning that you actually won the game in the second half. It's amazing what happens when a team loses their starting quarterback, and your backup quarterback begins to play as though he were a starter. Something happened at halftime, right? A pleasant result, that's right. Now, if you're an Oregon fan, you, you, you say it wasn't a happy moment. If you're a TCU fan, you say I didn't have a happy first half, the second half was happy. That may be a very simplistic, silly way of illustrating this point, but not every moment in our life is going to be happy. Circumstances go just like this, don't they? Just like this. And not only that, sometimes they become really seriously bad, and we face a great many challenges. And some of us in 2016 have certainly faced that at one moment or another. We pray it doesn't happen to us. We pray it doesn't happen to anyone we love and know, but we know inevitably we all face those difficult moments, those difficult times. Some of you faced those in 2015. God never promised us that every moment would be happy. If you're one of those folks that think that God's will is for you to always follow the route which promises the greatest amount of happiness, you're wrong. It's unscriptural. 
And you just throw that kind of thinking away. God did not promise that every moment would be happy. Now, he did promise that we'd be filled with joy at every moment. And we can consider what God has done for us and promised to do for us and have joy in our heart, a sense of well-being and goodness in our heart as we ponder and consider what he's done for us. Not every moment, though, will be happy. But he did promise that every moment will be blessed and provided for as we place our trust in him and walk by faith. And that's exactly what Abram did. Jesus promised a great many things for us in light of this, this very thing that I've said here. John 10.10, 10, Jesus promised to give us life, but not just life. He promised to give us abundant life, a full life, the very best life that a human being could have on earth. In John 3.16, he promised to give us eternal life. That's a life of quantity without end, but it is also a life of great and lasting quality. That word eternal means both things in the Greek. In John 14, 27, Jesus came to give us peace, but not just a cessation from conflict and war, a general sense of well-being in all areas of life. That's what that word peace means. So he has come to give us abundant life. He's come to give us eternal life. He's come to give us peace, a general sense of well-being in all of our life, regardless of the circumstances that we face. And as I mentioned moments ago in Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Jesus came to provide for all the things that we have need of on earth, whether they be physical, spiritual, emotional, or otherwise. Jesus has promised to provide all of these things for us. How wonderful is that? And we worship a God who has promised all of these wonderful things to provide for our moments to bless us in our moments as we follow him. You know, this morning, I want to close in just a minute, but I, I want to encourage you with something as I do. I know that all of us have things we want to, to change about our life and want to be different about us. And, you know, the Spirit of God is convicting us. And I think we're very open to hear and to, to sense the Spirit's call at this time of year. I mean, right after Christmas day ends and, you know, December 26th comes, we're looking forward to New Year's Eve. And we're looking forward to New Year's Day. And it's more than just the Rose Bowl Parade and it's more than the bowl games and it's more than all of that. It is a freshness and a newness that a new year brings to us. And in that, we have a, a heightened sense of sensitivity, I believe, uh, to what the Spirit of God is, is impressing and, and convicting us of. And so many of us, and I believe that so many in this room, that we are at a great crossroads in our life. And we want to know God's will, and we want to have faith to follow God in His will when we know His will. We want these things for ourselves. And listen, it's just a very simple thing of loving the Lord, following after God, and as we hear Him obey in faith, trusting Him in faith for what He has called us to do. But as we, as we think about what that really means for our life, it can be a great challenge to us. You know, Isaac Newton, in the first law of motion, said everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. That's true in the world of physics. But it's also true in the spiritual realm, I think. You see, we... We do not take the initiative for the kind of change we feel convicted to experience in our life in 2016. Do you know that? That wasn't an idea that you had. And you do not take the initiative to make it happen. God is acting upon us. He has taken the initiative to save us, and he has taken the initiative to change us. And so you need to understand the change that you so desperately want and so desperately know needs to happen in 2016. God is convicting you of that, yes, but he is already at work to make it a reality in your life. 
You see, Abram, this call that he had on his life, God had intentions for him. And he had already prepared the way. And he was already impressing upon him and he was already convicting him and already moving things together for his success. God is working all things together for our good. He's working all things together that we may become more Christ-like, that we may bring glory to him, that we may obey him, that we may be true to his call on our life and purpose for our existence. He's the one at work on us right now. We cannot change ourselves. Only God can change us. And he is in the process of doing just that, changing us. So if you want to experience the kind of change that we all hope for in 2016, it's very simple. Have a heart that pursues God, that loves the Lord with everything that you are. Pay attention to where he's speaking around you and then step out and go. He's the one already preparing the way and already doing the work before you. You know, I know as I look at myself, I see things that I want to be different. And I can become overwhelmed with what is required to see that change happen in me. And I can quit. And I can choose to ignore the conviction in my heart that this needs to happen. I can choose shortcuts and try to get it done quickly try to cover up some of the imperfections, try to make it look better than it is, or I can obey and seek Him. It's a choice that I make knowing that God is already at work to make it happen and to make me a success in what He's called me to do. The real question here this morning is just whether or not I'll do it. What will I do? What will I do? It's never easy, is it? It's not at all. Whatever we're talking about, whether it's something simple, whether it's something physical, whether it's something spiritual, it's not easy because it's bigger than me. You know, one of the things that I know needs to change this year is I need to lose some weight. Number one resolution everyone has, right? That's very difficult. That's a very difficult thing. And oftentimes I think if that foolish man or woman had never invented Snickers, I could lose weight, right? If I had not been born in the South where everything is fried, I could lose weight. If Bluebell had just stayed closed forever, then I could lose weight, right? But you know Whatever excuse that I make, I know it's a reality. I know it needs to happen. I know it's a very difficult thing to do. And I can become overwhelmed and say, man, I have so much weight I need to lose. I need to do this, this, blah, blah, blah. And I go on and on and on and I can just quit. And you know, by January 6th, most of us have, right? But listen, when we're talking about the bigger things and the more important things and even the more difficult things to know that something needs to change in here, how much more so is it so easy to be overwhelmed? you're depending on self. You see, we need what God can do for us and what God alone can do for us. Some in this room this morning, you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And the only way that you're going to experience God and the only way that you're going to experience anything bigger than yourself, the only way that you're going to connect to the Creator is through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice on the cross. You need Jesus. And some of you in here this morning, you know Jesus, but you've not been walking in the blessing and call that God has on your life, and you've been living a ho-hum kind of experience, and you really cannot point to anything in your life or any part of your life where you have walked by faith, lived by faith, believed and depended on Him. You see, this morning is for you. You need Him. You see, what this is about this morning is it's about you calling on God to do what only God can do in you. What, what is this morning is, is you depending and pressing in and loving and, and making that relationship a priority. It's not a complicated thing that I call you to this morning, whether it's the first time or whether it's something that you've known needs to be the case for a long time. It's putting Jesus first, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, the first step to a 2016 that is successful in any sense defined by God is that you would Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you've never received his salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, then that's the way you do it this morning. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, it may mean that you confess, repent, and make him the priority again in a way that you have not experienced before. Abram had a significant, extraordinary life, but nothing extraordinary that we ourselves cannot experience. The question is, is will we? Let's bow our heads.